Thank you. You could have. You were probably waving, and I missed it. No, uh, I don't pay attention to subtle things. Um, but anyway, so you know, Rick, Rick, call, Rick called it spiritual warfare. Um, I'm just not that spiritual. For me, the last two weeks have just been a deluge of busyness, and so it just becomes a massive conflicting, you know, priority. So you are getting version seven of of this, and for, as a comparator, the, when I usually do these kind of things, the last one, or the, the, the one I saw on the same stick that I was bringing in, that was um, the time I talked on um, the Sabbath, I'm sure you all remember that. Um, we were on version like 18, you know, by the time I was comfortable. So I am not comfortable, you know, with all this, but I am really excited about it. Um, so... You've caught me in the midst of something that excites me, but it's not fully polished. So, off we go. Um, you, you will notice, too, just as all this goes on, that the, uh, I probably shouldn't even call your attention to this, but the title on the, uh, in the bulletin does not match the title I'm going to give you. Um, <laughs> that's because the title in the bulletin was from version 3. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, so it goes. The, uh, you're, I can't tell you, but until we've had the neighbor questions, it would ruin everything. This is all highly scripted, so it can only happen one way. No, in all seriousness, I, uh, it's, yeah, I, felt that, uh, I have felt at ease even through all the busyness and the, and the conflicts, and I really feel that was because I knew many of you were, you know, had me in prayer, and, and so it has been... Um, uh, an extra blessing knowing that this one didn't get through to the end, but that whatever's there um, that got this far, you know, was really um, God's help. Um, the parts that are heretical are obviously mine, but um, I, I think I have expunged all those. I told Lee this morning that my sort of my bar for acceptability is that it's not heretical. So we're at that point, I hope. So anyway, this morning's uh, scripture, and let me a little bit, I had a hard time coming up with what the right scripture would be to go with this topic. This isn't going to be one. Of, this isn't going to be a, take the scripture and then move from that. It's more of a looking at several scriptures, but this one I thought captured at the end some really interesting concepts that um, get at what I want to talk about this morning, which is how we view God in our experience of life. So let's read this together, and um, let me make sure that it's going to change when I want it to. Yeah, okay. Otherwise, it would be awkward. So let's stand and read uh, this scripture together. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, 
As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Amen. So, Guy had given me a little uh, feedback, apparently that he'd gotten from you all, after the last couple of times when I've stepped in for him. Um, basically, they went like this. Uh, lose the PowerPoint slides. <laughs> don't be so serious. And, and don't forget to have neighbor questions. Well, I, I can at least have some neighbor questions. <laughs> so, I mean, I cannot live without PowerPoint slides. So, these things scare the daylights out of me, I've got to tell you, and every time guy does it, it makes me nervous. But um, I'm going to go this path because I have chosen totally subjective questions, so any answer actually is right. <laughs> However, there are only certain answers that segue into the message. So um, I will select which ones are correct, and I already have them on the next slide. <laughs> but you are more than willing. <laughs> Please select a neighbor and, and consider these two questions. You know, what life experiences, what are those life experiences where we notice God, where we feel Him, where we're more apt to, uh, to, to embrace God and feel His presence? And then secondly, also, uh, what life experiences seem to lack that punch, to lack that God presence, if you will? So take a few minutes, and, and then those of you with the right answers, I'll call on you. Okay, st I started hearing um, I started hearing the word Rockies and um, some other things. So I think we've moved we've moved on now. All right, so uh, <laughs> this is one of the things I hate about these. Trying to herd this group back in is a uh, is a tough thing. All right, so. What are some of those? What are the, what are some of those types of experiences where we, um, we where we notice God and we draw closer to Him? Lee, if we practice the presence of God like Brother Lawrence, we notice Him in all aspects of our life and every experience and draw closer. Okay, that does not segue into the sermon. That states the sermon. Okay, does anybody have a segue answer? <laughs> Silence. Struggle, right? Right, when things are you know, like out of our control and you know, we can't, can't control them. Yep, that's a good segue one, mind you. Good. All right, any others on that first one? Yeah, Eileen? Extraordinary. That's a perfect segue, too. Another winning answer. All right, Let, so then let's get to the second one. It's just sort of the flip side of the coin. What are, sometimes, what are life experiences that seem to lack God's immediate presence? Routine. Yep. Sinful thoughts and actions. Sinful things. Yep. Yeah. Autopilot. Good. Exactly. All right. So now we've got good answers to both, so we can take a look at what the right answers were. Um, so yeah, what, you know those things that you know that get us that God has that get our attention. You know, it's the extraordinary. You know, it's the supernatural. It's things that are beyond our control. See, these people must have seen the slides before I even got them out there. 
And then the, the life experiences to lack this immediate presence. You know, it's the ordinary humdrum of day-to-day -day life. You know, there's, just, there's nothing there that really tends to grab us, if, if you're like me. If you're not like me and uh, you don't have this division, then you can just kind of check out for the rest because that's what we're going to talk about. Um, let's see, the right answers. Now, there's, so now we'll get to, the, to uh, the title we ended up with for the day, which is God's Imminence in Ordinary Life or Fixing the Two-Bucket Life View. You can tell I come from the generation of Rocky and Bullwinkle, so I always have to have two titles for every um, thing. <laughs> <laughs> Only those like 45 and above get that. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> um, so this, this requires a few definitions before we can even move forward. So real quickly, you know, what do I mean by this two-bucket life view? Well, it's the two buckets that we just talked about on the, in the intro questions. It's those things that are extraordinary and, and, and supernatural, and because of that, you know, we, we assign them as God-related. And then there's the other things that are ordinary, everyday, um, naturally explained. And because of all that, we don't really assign those to God. I mean, at some level, we, we say, yeah, God causes all things. But in terms of how they affect us, we don't see, feel, or notice God in them. So that's the two-bucket view. And when I'm talking about life view, this is like um, sort of like the lens. It's like a worldview, but we, I don't I don't try to get into all that. So it's like the lens through which we view our daily experiences. All right? And... You know, it's back there. We've got lenses that we use, whether we're aware of them or not. So part of this morning is for us to pull up that lens that we use to view everyday events and take a look at it and see if it needs to be swapped or polished. Um, the other thing up here that might need some definition is imminence. So... Uh, <laughs> Whoa! People are easily amused. Whoa, pay, pay attention. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, well this is going to go better than I thought then. <laughs> anyway, so imminence. Unfortunately, I, the, the contrast didn't come out as it did on the computer, but it's, for those of you who can't read it, in fact, uh, maybe I can. Um, it's God's constant relational presence in his creation. Um, and imminence is different than just presence. You know, we think we, we all know God's omnipresent, but imminence is also a characteristic of God. Omnipresence kind of tells you that you know every, you're there, you're every, or God is there, He's everywhere. Imminence involves um, an activity, uh, a relationship, and in the created order, we usually think of it as we equate it with His sustaining work of His created order. Um, for things like just history and um, our lives. There's some relational effort, there's some relational aspect to his presence in our lives. So that's his imminence. Um, just as a bit of a tangent, but not entirely, imminence is usually spoken of um, also in the, in the same breath with transcendence. We hear a little bit more about transcendence usually, but as good Christian theists, um, our God has both. He's imminent and he's transcendent. The transcendent means he's great, he's beyond all, he's, he's beyond the created order, you know, he's, he's beyond everything. The imminence is that he is in some way within 
and related to his created order, but not identical with. And, that's just, and, and you have to have both these, because if you only have transcendence, which is you know, the powerful, mighty God, you can end up in deism, which is where God's there, he made the thing, and then he stepped back and let it run, because he's not involved in it on a regular basis. But if you've got all imminence and no transcendence, it takes you to the other extreme of, uh, of pantheism, which is where um, you know, God is the tree, God is the animal, God is, every, God is the creation, and you worship the creation. In, in, in our case, we've got both. We've got a God who's the creator, transcendent God, and the sustaining, imminent God. All right, so we've gone down that path. Now I, I, now I know people are ready to check out. You're upset because Guy's not here, and I see the word didn't get out that he wasn't going to be here. That's, that's evident. And uh, now you're really thinking, well, I wish Guy were here. But um, for those of you that are you know, you're on your way checking out, let me give you... Oh, wait, wait, we have to have, a, we have, to have the verse that covers transcendence. Did you see that? I mean, did you, did you see that? I didn't get a cheer. But anyway, I just... See? Well, yeah, there we go. So, thank you, I know. That's the last of the cool things, so I wanted to milk that one. Um, so, th- I mean, this is a great verse that, that captures both transcendence and imminence. Um, he is before all things. I mean, that, that's transcendent. That's beyond. That's not part of. That, that's above and beyond. And in him, all things hold together. That's imminent. That's not just present. That's present and holding stuff together. All right? Because all of our existence is contingent, and without him, we wouldn't exist. We just poof. All right. So here's the nutshell version for those of you that are waning. Um, number one, God's imminent. He's relationally present in all creation. So I don't have to keep looking at this. Um, he's, and then he's imminent in both the ordinary and the extraordinary. It's easier to see him imminent in the extraordinary, but he's also imminent in all. It's said in all. And all includes both the extraordinary and the ordinary. And then making, we've got to then incorporate that imminence in the ordinary into our life view so that our lens through which we interpret everything that happens in our lives doesn't somehow factor out everything that's ordinary and fail to see God there. All right? Now, for those of you who are willing, I see one person's leaving too. That's okay. Those of you who are willing to tolerate 17 more slides, off we go. The, um, so here's the outline we're going to follow. Uh, number one, we're going to talk about the fact that we tend to miss the or- God in the ordinary. We're going to talk about this two-bucket default worldview that I think, or life view that I think we end up functioning with. I know I do. I mean, and if none of you do, you know, more power to you. You're head of the curve. The, um, and then we're going to talk about recognizing the mystery of God's imminence um, in our life view. We're going to work that in and then look at a bunch of examples of how that how we can start viewing other parts of our life that maybe right now we don't so readily see and acknowledge and feel God and, and start looking there. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. I've been trying to think this way for the last couple months, and I haven't made much progress. So you're not hearing this from somebody who's figured it out. It's just somebody who's become aware that it ought to be. Um, so overall, the goal of this morning is to change the lens through which we view the ordinary in order to be aware of God's closeness in everyday life. And if we, get, if we can get that, even to any extent, then we've had a good morning and we'll have a better week. So 
Let's look at this in some detail. Why do we tend to miss God in the ordinary? Well, you know, we miss him because we're not set up to interpret ordinary life events as God events. You know, when you think about when you use that word, you know, God thing or God event, what are you usually referring to? You're referring to an unusual or extraordinary series of events that have occurred or something that's just improbable. And, and we reserve that tag for those types of events. And we live through, in an ordinary way, the ordinary parts of life to a great extent. Till something jars us, usually, either for good or for bad. You know, either an amazing view of the mountains or, you know, something bad happens. You know, those are the jarring things. And then all of a sudden, some, for, for Christians, that pulls us back in. Um, and, and we know, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know that God's in charge of everything. We know we have a sovereign God. We know that. So I don't think this is a matter of mental assent. I think this is a matter of taking what we know to be true and somehow incorporating it into how we view our everyday life. So, um, so what what are some of the what are some of these reasons? Well, I came up with some that that are going to. Whoops, I went too far. Um, what are some of the reasons we don't want to we don't connect God with the ordinary? Well, <clears throat> on the you know. There's some good reasons. I don't want to trivialize, trivialize God. God is great. He's not, you know, he's, he's not trivial. So I'm not going to connect him with trivial things. Um, I'm not awestruck by the ordinary, so I don't get, the ordinary doesn't trigger me to think God thoughts. Um, ordinary is not a characteristic of God. When we list God's characteristics, have you ever seen ordinary in the list? I don't think so. Um, we understand the ordinary without needing to invoke God as an explanation. Um, this is particularly problematic in, you know, in, in natural explanations in science and the like. There's a tendency to say, well, anything that I can find a natural cause for is not God, and then the things I can't find a natural cause for, well, that must be God. You know? And so this is kind of similar thing. Well, we don't want to go down that path. Um, and also, look, you know, no philosopher ever, ever began a proof for God with, consider the mundane. <laughs> or at least if they did, I haven't found it. Um, and, and we want, you know, truth be told, don't we all want to experience the supernatural? We want God to give us a supernatural experience. We don't want to work to find him in the everyday. We want him to give us something supernatural. Besides, it makes a better story. And don't we all like to tell good stories? So to me, those are the reasons. I'm sure you guys have other reasons. The, you know, these are my warped reasons can identify with some of them, maybe, maybe not. Yours are probably more elevated. Um, but most of these derive from this, two, what I'm calling this two-bucket view of life. It started out being God of the gaps view of life, but it switched to two-bucket, actually in version six. Um, <laughs> so we interpret, so the, this is, we interpret our experiences by placing them in one of two sets of categories. You know, and one set is that God caused, um, God present, God involved, God glorified category. And then the other one is the one that doesn't emit his presence, that doesn't smack us in the face with, God, with awe, and that doesn't look like um, we can't control it. And, you know, like I've said, we, we know that in some way, ultimate way, God's responsible for both these categories. 
but we just don't experience them the same way. And right there's the key. Because if we're not experiencing them the same way, that, give, that tells us, you know what, it might be the way we're looking at them. It might be the way we're interpreting the experiences. So we need to pull up our life view and look at it and see, is there a way to alter it appropriately that then gives us more of God in the everyday? So let's look at some of the ways that these things get split up in this two-bucket approach. So in, in bucket number one, we have the God events. These are the inexplicable, the spiritual, the extraordinary, the miraculous, things that are out of our control. I'm sure you can figure out you know, some other sort of general categories. And each one you know, has a counterpart. So for the, for the inexplicable, there's the explicable. You know, if we can explain it, it's not that big a deal. You know, I know how that happens. Big deal. Um, the spiritual and the non-religious. You know, we, we, have, we, we categorize our life in terms of experiences that are clearly, you know, religious, and then we have experiences that are just not religious, not necessarily evil, just not religious. And we don't expect God in the not religious. Seems logical. If you'd ask me, not in the context of this sermon, do you expect to see God in the not religious? I'd probably go, no, not really. Well, ding, ding, ding. You know, I don't know how many of you would answer that same way, but that tells me, that's, pro- that's how I'm looking at things. Um, in a book that we were going through in, um, the, in the worldview class, the author James Sire says that you can figure out what your worldview is, in this case your life view, um, less, by, um, less by trying to write down those presuppositions that you use to interpret things and more by just looking at how you interpret things. Because it's the how you really do it that is your life view, not what you think you believe in some creedal sense. And I think there's, a, there's some good stuff in that. So I've been trying for the last couple of months to see more everyday things through a, through a lens that tells me that God's presence is in these everyday things, and it hasn't been easy. I can't give you, some, I can give you maybe an example or two, but it's, it's not, um, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, this is something that's going to, that is taking some work. But I'll tell you, every time you get something, it's really cool and it's fun. Like, oh, wow, you know, there's something that I wouldn't normally have thought of. And that's, that aha, you know, ends up, you end up thanking God, praising him, and feeling closer to him. And we know that when we draw closer to God, he draws closer to us. And, you know, that's then that's, and I think then that helps us find more things. I think this is a feedback loop. The better we get at finding these things, the more we find, the more we find, the better we get. All right. So let's look at some examples, some general ones. You know, you can think of what, what ones you might put in this, these columns. So um, some events. So, you know, extraordinary events. Um, you know, the, these are things that, you know, not everybody gets through, like a, can- a cancer event. But if you go to the doctor on, for your annual checkup, and the doctor says, no, you're fine. You know, you're fine. I don't know. My walk away is, oh, yeah, okay, see you next year. You know, it's not that same, thank you, God, for an annual checkup where everything was okay. It's not as intense, right? But shouldn't it be similar? Maybe not as intense, but shouldn't my reaction still be a thank you, God? Um, but it's not. It's like, well, that's normative. That's what I expect to have happen. That's explicable. I shouldn't be sick. That's normative. But 
I think that kind of thinking is wrong. Um, finding a job. You know, if, if you've gone a while and you haven't been able to find a job, all of a sudden finding a job becomes, you know, a huge thing and you, it's out of your control and, and you feel very God-dependent for that job. And once you get a job and you've had a job for a long time, you're getting a bi-weekly paycheck. Every time you get that bi-weekly paycheck, is that a, is that a God moment? I don't know. For me, it wasn't. You know, it's just like, eh, it's a bi-weekly paycheck. You know, I deserve it. I work for it. You know? Um, how about, uh, you know, a view of the mountains? You know, that's a, that can be an awe-inspiring God moment, right? It's like, oh, it's beautiful. You know, anything that's beautiful, whether it's in nature or even man-made, but nature, beauty in nature. Oh, awesome. But compare that to mowing the grass. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any... Well, I don't have to mow the grass anymore. Kristen mows the grass, but... Anyway, <laughs> we'll say pulling weeds. You know, sometimes I help Cheryl pull the weeds, like maybe a, three times a year. So uh, put something else in there. How about a great communion service? How about like our, our um, I'll tell you one of the great services here is always the uh, Good Friday service. I mean, to me, that is in the extraordinary category of worshipful services. And then, of course, is in the sort of the ordinary, you know, is having a, a great meal with good friends. Now, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I, and I thoroughly enjoy it, but I, is that a God moment? Not really. At least not in my two-bucket worldview. So, clearly, the problem is we've got this two-bucket world, worldview thing going. And if we think about it, you know, a high percentage of our life falls into the ordinary, right? And there's only a small slice that really ends up in that extraordinary part of the pie, which means our potential for having experiences that draw us closer to God becomes limited to a small fraction of our life, which somehow seems uh, like that's probably not how God intended it. And we'll take a look at a few verses in a moment, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I don't think God intended it to be this way. Now, this isn't to deny that there aren't ordinary and extraordinary things. Don't get me wrong. It's how we look at them and that we, and that we put God in one and not in the other. That's the problem. All right? So, how can we capture all of our life as potential for growth with God rather than just a small slice? Let's take a look at some scripture, though, to make sure we aren't doing something, you know, that is just has no foundation. Um, so, God's imminence. What are some examples of God's imminence in ordinary things or God's concern and interest in some ordinary things? Well, we've got the scripture, Are, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care, and even the very hairs on your head are numbered. Doesn't that tell us that God's involved? He's not just present. If he in some mysterious way is caring for us such that he knows this much, um, there's an incredible care, that there's God's imminence, and it's, it's down to the mundane. You know, it's down to the mundane, and that's... That, to me, is, an, is, an, is kind of an odd but very comforting uh, statement that God cares about us all the way down to the mundane. Um, think about the Lord's Prayer. What in the Lord's Prayer is really all that out of the everyday? You know? It starts out with, you know, daily bread. And then, you know, forgive us sins. Well, that's an everyday event. And, um, and, 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 and the like. So I think, and protect from temptation, that is... 
a very ordinary prayer. There's no calling down of fire from heaven. It's an ordinary prayer. Um, and then think, and then Jesus' first miracle. Remember what it is? It's turning, number one, it's turning water to wine. That's kind of ordinary. You know, that's more like a, that's more like the magic trick number 101 in the little set you get when you're, you know, in fifth grade where you have the phenophailing and you drop the seed against something in. I don't know what it is. You know, this is Jesus turning water to wine. I mean, that's pretty, un, pretty mundane. I mean, it made for a better party. Oh, wait, you know, was anybody's life saved? No. Was anybody health, you know, you know was their health restored? No. They had a better party. They're, they'd already consumed all the existing wine. Ugh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure where that party went. You know, and yet he chose to be involved in an ordinary experience and perform a miracle to that end. Um, and there were probably others. We just don't have a lot of um, of the ordinary in in our accounts. But let me tell you, I get this. You start reading the Gospels and start looking for ordinary. I mean, this is, a, this is an interpretive thing, not only for your own events, but for reading the gospel. And I think it's really important because it helps us see how Jesus functioned with respect to the ordinary. So I encourage you to do that. Um, so off we go. So we got this, we got this two-bucket problem. And we, we've talked about what some of the problems are. It leaves God out of a big chunk of our life. And the more of our life that's normal... You know, the kind of the more the easier it is to drift. You know, because we're not. Sometimes, sometimes I think, you know, it's, we, you know, we you know, we we talk sometimes about how you know God you know grabs us in those tough moments. It's like Rick was talking in his sermon about how you know get ready because God's going to teach you something. But you know, part of the reason God has to teach us stuff in hard times is because we're not paying attention to Him in the good times. You know, and and that, that's I worry about that. You know, I, I think, oh God, don't you know, don't give me bad times. I don't really want to deal with that. <laughs> I'm a wimp. But you know, you know, and I think I don't know what the answer is, but I th- there's certainly the the best thing to do is to be seeing God in all the times. And so let's find Him in the good. Um, our categories tend to make God only ex- responsible in the extremes, both the extreme good that w- is so good we can't, you know, take credit for it, or the extreme bad that we're forced to go to him and we don't think we can get the, get out of it on our own. And so that's uh you know that's that extreme thing. And look at the heart um attitudes that are present in the extraordinary with God versus the ordinary with ourselves. Um when we experience the extraordinary with God, we're thankful to God. I mean, think of it this, you know how you know an, you know how you know an extraordinary event? It's when your first response is thank God. That's an extraordinary event. When it's just an ordinary one, it's like, huh, I expected that. And what, in one, the one, we're proud of our abilities. The other one, we, we recognize it's God's grace. In the one, we rely on God for help. In the other, um, it, we become self-reliant. Just more reasons that we know, and we know we're not supposed to have those attitudes, so we know we've got we to shift this uh, life view in order to get ourselves in track with where we need to be. So the answer is simple. We've got to fix this two-bucket thing. But the execution, I don't know. I can't switch how I think that easily. But 
Um, hopefully you guys are better at it than I am. But I'll tell you, like I mentioned earlier, I've been trying to do this a little more and haven't been overly successful, but I'll tell you it's fun when it hits. Um, so some of the things we need to do to fix this is we, this distinction between God-free ordinary and God-caused extraordinary just is faulty. It's wrong. We've got to fix it. And the fix is, it's very simple. The ordinary and the extraordinary, they exist. I'm not, we're not saying that you know, everything's ordinary or everything's extraordinary. We're not moving all the ordinary events into extraordinary ones. We're just saying that both kinds of events, God is imminent in them. God is available. God is relationally present in them. We have to look for them. It's a little harder to look for them in, in the ordinary. Lee. Yeah. In all circumstances, all circumstances, oh. give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So if you are aware of God's imminence in every event, you are thankful, irrespective, you aren't necessarily thankful for the event, but in, but in the event, because God is imminent in all circumstances. Excellent. Good point. I mean, it's dead on. Andrew. Exactly. Yeah, the context there in Mars Hill is Paul talking to the Athenians about a statue that's labeled to the unknown God. And he's relating how that, how the God that he's speaking of um, is, can be the God there, that that's the missing one. Yeah. Um, so, we, so we've got to take the ordinary and the extraordinary. They're not the same, but God's imminence covers both. And if you can't remember this, this imminence thing, just remember that God's presence is in both. You use the word presence, but it's like super presence. It's like um, involved presence. Uh, think of a word that means something to you, since imminence probably doesn't. It's kind of an odd word that we don't use much. But just remember, it, it's there, and we're going to have to figure out ways to find it. So let's look at some examples. Well, it's, oh wait, I've got to... You know, I mean, I have to have graphs, so anyway... So now we go back to this graph that used to have two different colors, you know, with a with a small section where we had, you know, God's imminent, God's God's assigned. Now through His imminence, we've got everything covered. We got the extraordinary and the ordinary covered, and all experiences can become God events. So let's look at some ways to implement this. We need to expect to see God in all of His world and in all of our life. If we don't expect it then we're probably going to miss out on it. Think of that worldview as being, an, that lens as being an expectation. You set the expectation, you'll start to see it. You'll say, well, that's um, self-delusional. Yeah, not really. You've got to pick some expectation. So you either have the expectation that God's not there or you have the expectation that he is. That doesn't have anything to do with being delusional. Um, you, we need to develop categories that help us see God in the ordinary. And by categories, it simply means types of things. Because, like I said, I think we're going to have to grab this one piece at a time. I think we're going to get good at seeing him in a, in a certain type of ordinary event, but it's not going to all come at once. And, and everybody's going to have their own ordinary that becomes easier to see God in. And so we'll look at a couple of those. Like I mentioned earlier, read the Gospels and start reading 
and, and look for how, in what ways is Jesus ordinary? And in what ways does he interact and display the ordinary? Um, there's some interesting thoughts on that. I mean, think about who does he hang out with a lot of the time? Ordinary people. It's not with the super. Um, there, there's, it, it's, I, I think it can cause us to uh, see new angles of how we might be able to look at our lives. Um, and then also realize that just because there is a natural cause does not mean that God is not imminent in the event. All right? So just because we can explain it doesn't mean that God didn't do it and it isn't part of his imminence and his overall purpose. So let's look at some places that um, we might think of. So I just started pulling together a list of types of things that normally fall into that ordinary category. But I think if we look at them and we start looking for God's imminence, we can start to see you know, God's creative work through the following, through human friendship. You know, instead of just having a good friendship, start realizing, oh, what is it about being friends with someone that reflects God's characteristics or the way God made me or what am I learning about God through being a friend to this person? You know, stuff like that. These are the types of questions. Think of this as an exercise in edification. It's ways to learn about ourselves and our relationship with God by looking at events in life that normally we don't pay that much attention to, maybe. Um, Teacher-student relationship. How about just laughter? I don't know, I like laughter. um, I I think, you know, the creativity of God is probably present in a lot of laughter. Uh, Any truth. Uh, Celebrations. Um, you You know, celebrations that don't have an initial religious content to them, still, it's part of how God made us. It's part of what's important to us as people made in his image. Um, look for what does that mean to us? Is it, how do we see God in it? These are athletic accomplishments. For some people, this is big. There's, and this can go on and on. I, think of more for yourself. Cause it also becomes kind of personal. The things that, um, you know, the way God has made you and the way God has wired you, some things are going to pop to the surface and are going to be closer for you than for others. Um, I was going to do a throw out a bunch, but I just got more on a list. Um, beauty, celebration, discoveries, delicious food, music, generosity, drama, hospitality. Just think of more as you drive home. But you know what? When you think of them, you almost got to write them down. Yeah. I forgot slideshow. Slide- <laughs> <laughs> Slideshows, definitely. <laughs> yeah, the beauty of PowerPoint. That, and isn't that, that's a great example. That's a great example. Be grateful for stuff that happens every day. And as we do that, we start to see more and more. Yeah, you know, I, I've made the assumption here that we at least um, assent to the fact that God is interested. And, you know, if, if that doesn't sound right, yeah, then we've got to back up and, and do a, uh, a search on God's interest in ourselves yeah. or in our lives. Um, okay, let's see. We're almost done, don't worry. Yeah, like two more, three more. Real quick. Um, so, some categories, just viewing the world as a, as a gift from God, um, viewing God as the ultimate provider, really, you know, not just saying it, but really viewing life that way. 
and reviewing life to see how God has worked so far. Um, implications of this life view. There's a lot, but I, I, I trimmed this down from four to two uh, when I went from version five to six. Um, it'll help us be constantly thankful. Um, and that's something we know we should be. We know we're supposed to be constantly thankful. And it'll help us praise God because when we're thankful, when we are more aware of what he's doing, there's more things that we will praise him for. So, back to the nutshell summary. God's imminent. His imminent. He is imminent in both the extraordinary and the ordinary. And we've got to make it part of our worldview. So just remember as we leave what Paul said, that um, he did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not very far away from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Amen.